Welcome to the Emerging Temple broadcast for November 27, 2019. I am Michael Obeya. I will be your guide for the rest of this broadcast. At Emerging Temple, we seek to analyze current events within the context of God's plan for mankind, a plan in which he intends to establish a government to be peopled by those who he shall elect to rule with him at the end of time. Before I go any further, I want to encourage you to subscribe to our channel and to like and share our videos. If there is a notification or bell icon at the bottom of the screen, I'd like you to hit on that bell icon so you can be notified anytime we upload new videos. If you would like to support us, please visit our website, www.templeoftruth.us, or you can go to patreon.com and look for our handle, Emerging Temple. We also broadcast on Facebook, and you can find us at our handle on Facebook, which is called Emerging Temple. There you'll be able to watch videos which we have uploaded in the past. Um, beginning today, we have began to offer live broadcasts of our, pro, of, of our broadcasts, the historic broadcasts and even the current broadcast. Uh, we're beginning to offer them on Spotify and other radio channels. So um, you'll be able to visit our website and get more information on that. And um, if you have Spotify, just search for us on Spotify, Emerging Handle, uh, I'm sorry, Emerging Temple, and you should be able to get our broadcast on audio if you're unable to watch it via video. Okay? Excellent. So today we want to continue discussing the law. We began yesterday to talk about how the law was a hindrance uh, to our spiritual growth when we seek to walk by law and not necessarily by faith. And today, we're going to go further in that direction and try to see um, how best we can make us understand that we're not encouraging lawlessness. What we're encouraging is a life of fruitfulness, which means a life in which the manifestation of the Spirit of God is what transpires on a daily and consistent basis. Okay? So... Before I, will continue, before I go any further, I want to share a short clip with you, which I think is a kind of a good summary of um, the law in the Old Testament. Um, but I want us to remember that when I say law, we're not just speaking about laws in the Old Testament. We're speaking about any religious law that has been given ex cathedra, no matter what kind of denomination you might be coming from, and that seeks to take the place of the unction of the Holy Ghost in you. And so let's take a look at this clip briefly. It's going to tell us a little bit about the history of the law. It's about six minutes long. And I think it's really nice, a good thing. I think it's even good for um, young children to be able to watch this. So why don't we go ahead and take a look at this clip. through the second book, Exodus, and you'll come to a bunch of ancient laws. Thou shalt do this, thou shalt not do that. Now these laws are all written in the literary style we call prose discourse, and they're found all over the second, third, fourth, and fifth fifth books of the Bible, there's over 600 laws. And since reading ancient law code isn't something you and your friends do a lot, odds are you're going to struggle. Mm -hmm. So. Let's talk about how to read the law in the Bible. 
So the first thing to remember is that the Bible is not a behavior manual with a complete list of what to do and not to do to make God happy. Right, the Bible is an epic narrative. But in the story, God does tell people what to do. For sure. The story begins with God's plan to rule the world through humans who will trust him and live by his wisdom. And here we find the first divine command in the Bible. Don't eat from the tree of knowing good and evil, because the day you do, you'll die. But the humans take the authority to know and define good and evil for themselves, and it's not good. It leads to a world of violence and death, and they're exiled from the garden. Okay, so this was the first law in the Bible? Well, it's the first divine command, and it invites people to trust God and live by his wisdom. And so, while it's not part of the laws given to Israel, it does foreshadow them, because those too are invitations to trust God's wisdom. So, when do the laws of Israel come? Okay, here's the story. Israel is enslaved in Egypt, so God saves them, and then invites them into a covenant relationship, like a marriage. And the laws make up the terms of that covenant. And so, do we get a catalog of all these laws that God gave Israel? Actually, no, we don't get all of the laws, only examples, and these have been strategically placed in between stories about how Israel keeps violating the laws. Ah, so I'm supposed to see that Israel's no different than the humans in the garden. They don't trust God or live by his wisdom. Right. And so it leads to another round of tragedy, violence, and death. And it ends in exile. And so while the laws are good and show God's wisdom, they also expose Israel's inability to be God's faithful partners. I'm following. But when I read the laws, I find a lot of strange stuff. Like not allowing clothing to be made of two different fabrics. Like how does that show God's wisdom? Okay, so it's important to realize that many of these laws are ancient ritual symbols that set Israel apart, that is, made them holy. So some laws made Israel distinct from neighboring nations, while other laws kept them away from things that in their culture symbolized death, disease, and moral corruption. Okay, but what about all of the ritual killing of animals? Sacrifices were also ritual symbols that connected people to God. Since you, a mortal, can't ascend up to God's presence in the heavenly temple, a blameless animal that was offered could go up in your place, covering for your failures so you can know you're accepted by God. I see. But not all of the laws are ancient rituals. Some of them are just about being a good person and treating others well. Well, yes, but these laws aren't just about being good. They're about justice, which is a big deal to God. On the first page of the Bible, we learn that every human is made in God's image and is worthy of dignity. And these laws apply that ideal in Israel's day. In fact, these laws still underlie many of the concepts of justice and equality that we take for granted today. But some of the laws don't seem just, like laws that allow for slavery. Well, if you look at those laws in their ancient cultural context, you'll see that God's working with Israel as he finds them, pushing them towards justice. So slavery isn't abolished, but it is undermined. For example, Israel was supposed to reenact the Exodus liberation by releasing slaves and forgiving all debts every seven years. This was revolutionary in the ancient world. All right. Now, what about all the laws about Sabbath rest on the seventh day and all the seven-day feasts? I mean, what's up with all of these sevens? Yeah, so these laws about sacred time are all connected to the first creation narrative in Genesis. God brings order out of chaos in six days that each have a clear beginning and end. But when you get to the seventh day, it has no end. 
That's because it's pointing to the ideal of humans partnering with God in His rule and rest. All of these seven-day feasts are rituals that symbolize humanity's true purpose and future hope. Okay, so all of these laws given to Israel can fit into those basic categories. Yes, and each category expresses a core ideal of God's wisdom. And the laws show how those ideals should be applied in the culture of ancient Israel. But as the story makes clear, Israel failed at fulfilling the law over and over. How is God going to get humans to trust his wisdom? Well, Moses and the prophets after him trusted that one day God would transform the human heart so people can be faithful covenant partners who trust his wisdom. And that brings us to the story of Jesus. Yeah, Jesus said he came to fulfill the law. Right. He was the faithful covenant partner that Israel and all humanity was made to be, but has failed to be. Jesus lived by the divine ideals underlying the laws. And he taught that the laws are all fulfilled when you love God and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus promised that God's spirit would come and transform his followers so they too could live this way. And so, when followers of Jesus read these laws today, we need to remember they were given to Israel in their ancient cultural setting. You couldn't follow many of them even if you tried. But what you can do is see God's wisdom in the laws. Right. And trust that God's spirit can guide you to follow that wisdom as you learn to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself. All right. Uh, beginning tomorrow, we're going to do um, an in-depth study of the law. And we're going to understand, the, we're going to study to understand the law from a spiritual perspective. We're believing God to help us not only to just share and teach, but to also open our hearts and minds to be able to understand the deeper meanings that the laws symbolized as they affect us today. But today we're going to continue where we stopped off yesterday, looking at what Paul wrote concerning the law as it related to us and its effect on us and God's attitude towards us today if we try to keep the letter of the law and not the spirit of the law. So let's begin by taking a look at the book of Colossians and we'll analyze what the book of Colossians is saying. Okay, so we'll take it from um, let's take a look here. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 to 17. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 to 17. Okay. So verse 13 says, And you, being dead in your sins, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, 
has he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses? Verse 14, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances or laws that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink. Meat means food or in drink, or in respect of any holy day, or of the new moon, or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. So let's stop there, verse 17, okay? So we see Paul telling us, you know, in the Old Testament, you see God tell them to observe the moon, to observe the Sabbath days, and there were different Sabbath days, apart from the Sabbath day, which occurred from like sundown on Friday evening or Saturday um, afternoon. Apart from that, there was the Sabbath that would occur when feasts occurred. So there was a feast on um, um, on a Wednesday, like a Passover or uh, Pentecost or Tabernacles. That was also considered a Sabbath. And Paul is saying here, look, don't let anybody judge you or make you try to live a life in which you have to be subject to those Old Testament laws, okay? Because whether it's the new moon feasts, whether it's the Feast of Tabernacles or Passover or Pentecost, those feasts have symbolic meaning. When God spoke them to us, encapsulated within those commands was a hidden meaning. And those hidden meanings are only unveiled and opened by the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost today, who has been sent down to help you and I to be able to unveil the mystery of God. And for those of us who do not have the gift of the Spirit to help us unveil those things, we continue to this day to walk in the natural and the carnal like how the Israelites did before Jesus came. But they can be excused because Jesus hadn't come. But what excuse is there for you and I, for whom Jesus has come and clearly told us it is finished and has sent his Holy Spirit into our hearts, into our lives, wherein we know we're sons of God, but we continue to want to live after the carnal, sensual way of, of thinking. Do you know that when Paul said to be carnally minded is death, he was referring to people who follow God after natural law. I apologize, after, after um, biblical law. That's what he means. Okay? But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. That means to walk after the Spirit of God, but to walk in love, to walk in the unction of the Holy Ghost. That's what you and I have been called to do. Okay? Now let's take a look at the book of Romans, um, the 17th chapter. Sorry, Romans, the seventh chapter, I apologize. Romans chapter seven. Romans has no chapter 17. It ended, I think, chapter 16. Okay, Romans chapter seven. Okay, so we read from verse verse one. I can't remember where we stopped yesterday, but um, we're going to take it um, from verse 13. 
I'm taking from verse 13. So Romans chapter 7 from verse 13, okay? It says, Was then that which is good made death unto me? He's saying, he's talking about the law. He says the law is good. And he's asking if the law was made death. Well, the law itself isn't death. The law brings us the knowledge of death. Okay? And this is the fine line Paul is trying to tread here, you know, to, to show you and I. Okay? It says, was then that which is good made death unto me? God forbid. But sin, that it might appear sin, working death in me by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. You remember yesterday, we spoke about how God gave the children of Israel just three commands. Say, look, guys, make sure that your firstborns are dedicated to me, firstborns of humans, firstborns of cattle. Make certain that you observe the Sabbath day, don't work yourselves to death. I want you guys to take a break once a week. And then the third thing was he, um, okay, Sabbath day, um, Sabbath day. Oh, yeah. And then observe the feast of Passover. There you go. Observe the feast of Passover. Okay. Those are the only three things. And when Moses gave the people the law, these three things, they told Moses, well, everything God has said, we will do. Instead of saying to Moses, Moses, how does God expect us to be able to keep this perpetually and never violate this? If we violate this, he's no longer obligated to keep his side of the covenant to us. Uh, can't we renegotiate this? They tell Moses, tell God everything he said we're going to do. And then God came and decided to give them even more laws. Okay. So what does Paul say about that? Okay. In the last part of this, he says, uh, verse 13, he says, let's take it from the very um, last sentence where it says, but sin, but sin that it might be shown to be sin, working death in me by that which is good, which is the law, that sin by the commandment, that is the law, by, by the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. So by giving us more laws, it provoked more sin in us, and that should have given us the, the, the notice that, you know what, something isn't right here, something isn't working, okay? And Paul goes on in verse 14 to say the reason why. It says, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. For what I hate, that do I. Now, what is Paul saying here? Paul is saying here that the law of God is spiritual, but we are human. And even though inside of us, we desire to keep the law of God, we desire to do the things that God wants, we find something else inside of us making us do what we don't want to do. We want to obey God, but we find that something inside us is making us to not obey God. Okay, verse 16, he says, if then I do that which I would not, that means I do those things I don't want to do, I am consenting unto the law that it is good. It means inside of me, I agree with the law of God. Verse 17, now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will or the will to do right is present with me, 
but how to perform that which is good, I don't know how to. I find not. Verse 19, for the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that is what I do. So the good things I want to do, I find myself not doing them, but the evil things I do not want to do, I find myself doing them. Verse 20 says, now if I do that, I would not. If I'm doing those things I don't want to do, it is no longer I that is doing it, but sin that dwells in me. Verse 21, I find then, O law, that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, war warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Okay, what is the law of sin? Just the law. The law. Okay, it's not like sin has its own law. It's the law. The law, the law itself is provoking me, okay, to act out those things I do not want to act out. Okay, we saw yesterday where he says, for I would not have known lust, L-U-S-T, had the law not said, thou shalt not covet. So when the law comes and says, don't do this, it provokes in you a, a desire to want to do those things that the law says you shouldn't do. Okay? And this is what our brother Paul is trying to share with us here. Okay? And this is the understanding. I mean, you can go to the book of Galatians. You can go to the book of Colossians, Romans, Corinthians. You can see this is what Paul is talking about. The, and Paul was always getting into trouble with the Christians who held on to the Jewish laws, the, the Hebrew laws. They would go from one time, to, when Paul went somewhere and, told, and started a new church and told the people there, you don't have to be circumcised to be saved. They would come behind him and say, was Paul here to tell you all that you don't have to be circumcised to be saved? Well, don't listen to that guy. Let me tell you all, if you're not circumcised, you will not be saved. And if you read the book of Acts, you will see where this case actually went up to the apostle, to the uh, the senior apostles, and they had a meeting to discuss it. And the Holy Ghost told them, Paul is correct. People do not have to be circumcised to be saved. Now, I want you to understand those people who were doing those things really believed they were doing what was right because they said, look, circumcision came before the law of Moses. Circumcision came during the time of Abraham. Even today, when you tell people you don't have to pay tithes, they say, no, 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 yes. We don't have to pay tithes if it was only based on the law of Moses. But guess what? Tithes came even from the time of Abraham. So that's why we pay tithes today. Okay? But these things, I want you to understand, when you live your life based on the law, I promise you that you're going to have difficulty in your spiritual life. You need to be set free from the law. But that doesn't mean free from the intent of the law, okay? The Holy Ghost himself has come to give you the power so you can fulfill the intent of the law, okay? And I'll give you an example. Somebody's asking now, what do you mean, Mike? What do you mean by the intent of the law? Let us take, keep the Sabbath day holy, for example. That is a command from God, not just, it's one of the 10 commandments, okay? So what does that mean? That means God is saying to you, it is not right 
for you to work 24-7 without a break. You know what? If God hadn't put such a law, don't you think people who had power and influence would threaten you if you ever took a day off? Basically turn you into a slave. So Jesus came and said, God's made the law for us. He didn't make us for the law. That's just one example. But like I said, tomorrow, God willing, we will go into some of the law and try to find out their spiritual meaning. What did God mean when he said, do not make your clothing of two different um, clothing materials? Okay. What did God mean when he said, do not eat um, anything that chews the cud or that doesn't chew the cud and part the hoof? We, we want to find out what these things are. Okay. Because today, some of us don't eat pork. Because wild, wild pigs do part the hoof, they don't chew the cud, okay? And we, we, we were following it based on what we found in the Bible. But is that what God was really concerned about? Because Jesus himself came and told us that it is not what goes into a man that, that, that defiles him, but what comes out of him, okay? These things are important. So we're not nullifying the law of God. We're bringing out the, full, the, 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 the essence of the word of God. That's what Jesus meant by he came to fulfill it. He came to bring it out in full so that you and I can see what, was, what it really means. So you don't just have the seed. You have the very fruit of the law. So God willing, you know, tomorrow we'll be able to go into some of that. We will never be able to exhaust, you know, knowledge of the law of God. But at least we can begin to try. Okay, so friends, I want to thank you once more for tuning in. This is Michael Bay. I thank you for your time. Um, I want to encourage you once more to subscribe um, and to share these videos. Um, we've been getting a lot of you know responses, people asking us questions. We're really appreciative of that. I want you to share these videos with your family and friends. Don't just watch it and keep us as a secret. Share these videos with the with the rest of the world. Men and women need to hear what we're sharing, what we're talking about. Okay, some of it might be new to you, and maybe you're still trying to figure out, you know, um, how, you know, whether these people are balanced and these people are really rooted in the word. I've never heard the word of God like this before. Look, this is the word of God because as we speak, you can see we're backing up what we're saying from the word of God. We're not just giving you things from our own private interpretation of the word of God. We're actually using the word of God to analyze the word of God. So I encourage you visit our Facebook page, Emerging Temple. Okay, and you can go in there, you can, you can chat with us, you can send us messages, and you can find, you know, a catalog of our um, older videos, both on Facebook and on our YouTube page. So I want to encourage you to subscribe. For those of you who have YouTube accounts, it's really important to us, because if you subscribe to our channel, you help us come out of the top of Facebook search results, and people are able to be blessed. So that's the least you can do. All right? So please remember what I said, share and subscribe. And also, if you'd like to support us, um, please visit our website, templeoftruth.us, or you can also go to um, patreon.com and look for our handle, Emerging Temple, and at Emerging Temple, you can support us. Um, announcement once more, we have started broadcasting on radio, and you can pick us up on Spotify and a few other um, online radio channels. Um, that information should be on our website by the end of this week. But if you're on Spotify, just go now, search for Emerging Temple, and you should be able to see some of our old videos and, you know, up to recent. I can, you know, you can share that with your family and friends. 
well, not videos, but it, it's going to be audio. Okay? All right. Thank you so much, friends. I look forward to speaking with you again tomorrow. God bless you. This is Michael Obeya signing out.